Welcome to Fixation Station, the podcast where we talk to people about their fixations. <laughs> Sorry, there's a cat on the screen. Today's guest is Sharia Mattis, and she's going to be talking to us about her fixation on K-pop. Hi, Sharia. How are you? Hey, Ariel. How you doing? I'm all right. Good. And Sharia is a very funny comedian uh, from New York City. And she's obs- she was, is obsessed with K-pop. Yes, I'm a recovering K-pop stan. it is a cult it is a cult (laughs) so it takes a long time to get out of it clearly yeah so how did you how did you discover k-pop honestly i think i discovered k-pop the same way most people discover k-pop i was depressed (laughs) um i was really depressed well so actually i had a had a friend um in high school a high school friend who was like obsessed who started getting really obsessed with with like super junior and dbsk and all those Mm -hmm. like k-pop groups and i was like and i I always made fun of him i always i was like you know like i was i was like this is i was i was very i was like this is a like next level of gay that i'm not (laughs) anticipated and he was like he kept trying to get me into them and then he then he showed me this group 2 p.m mm-hmm. and i was hooked i was hooked i was like they were just so cute and they were funny because they all have like variety shows too so it was like everything it was like funny variety shows and really really like earworm hearkening back to like the like 90s r&b of that i like grew up on mm-hmm. that like this just doesn't get made anymore you know what I mean and then and they were so cute and they gave you choreo and I was like oh wait so then I so then I just like got really depressed and I just was like in my apartment and I just went down a rabbit hole of watching every episode of this variety show they used to have called Wild Bunny and then I and then when you watch those variety shows they reference other k-pop groups and then I started looking at those other k-pop groups and within like a month I was completely obsessed like I was completely obsessed with K-pop. It it happened like that. And the, my whole life was like crumbling around me. I had this shitty job. My whole life was just like a shit show. And I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to dive right into this instead of dealing with my life. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> it was great. So is 2PM still your favorite K-pop group? No. No, no, no I've moved on. Although they, like they were, they they still were like my favorite for many many years like I've seen them in concert five times okay five times I've seen them twice in America and three times in two times in in Korea and once in Japan oh wow (laughs) yeah I I'm so and that doesn't even count the times that I've seen them because I when I was in Korea I went to go see them because they have these like music programs like Mm -hmm. all the k-pop groups do their latest songs I don't know why we don't have that in America it's so dumb but anyway <laughs> music programs and I went to go see them at Kikaya and I went to go see them at Music Bank and I talked to Nikoon and everything but you know that was years ago and then I kind of fell out of k-pop and then this group G-Friend Yoja Chingu came out and then I became completely obsessed with them and especially over the pandemic I just kind of like really got into G-Friend and then of course like two days before I was supposed to have a surgery, they broke up, (laughs) like really suddenly. So that was like my last truly favorite, like obsessive K-pop group is G-Friend, you know what I mean? 
my girls. I miss oh. them. Because you lived in Asia, right? You lived in Thailand or? I, I lived in mostly in Vietnam, but I okay. was in Thailand and Vietnam and like hopping back and forth. And I, uh, yeah, for like four and a half years. Yeah. That's still, I want to live in Vietnam. Like, <laughs> It was great. It was great. You, they don't even have COVID over there now. They're fucking chilling. They're good. Yeah. They got rid of shit immediately. They were like, what? Wash your hands, wear a mask stay in your fucking house for like two weeks great we got it we're done <laughs> and they figured it out They're, yeah amazing great food and they know how to follow directions it's crazy <laughs> Yeah. And I'm assuming that that wasn't that K-pop was not the only reason why you were living in Asia, but was that not like even a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did not go to Asia for K-pop. I went to Asia, although I did enjoy some K-pop while I was in Asia because I had like a full on mental breakdown and quit my job and went to go to this island to do meditation and yoga and stuff mm-hmm. for like two months. And while I was there, I I, so I moved in with my mom. I left my cat to I leased my apartment for like the last month mm-hmm. and I went to Asia. And the plan was, because I had no job mm-hmm. to spend money in Asia, go back to my my mom's place mm-hmm. and live with my mom until I like sort my life out again. Mm-hmm. And while I was in Asia, like three weeks after I was in Asia, she got married to some guy I didn't know. And moved him and his adult son into the place and moved all my shit into the basement was like, you could sleep in the living room. And so I just kind of ended up staying there for four and a half years. <laughs> I was like, let me just figure this shit out. Uh, and I ended up staying there for four and a half years. But while there, I did I did enjoy some K-pop. <laughs> I did. That story is amazing. I mean, that like it's. I'm sure it was very stressful, but it is. No, for sure, and it and it saved my life for sure. I don't think I would have been happy if I had gone with my original plan. And while I was there, that's how I decided to do comedy because I get asked on the beach, and I was like, I should do comedy. (laughs) And so that's like it. It was definitely good for me the long run, but I almost died quite a few times. So like. I'm really bad at organizing and scheduling and traveling and I hadn't done it before like that so like I was really bad like I really I I was literally saved by strangers multiple times like almost eaten by dogs (laughs) I really truly was not yeah prepared for what I signed up for yeah Uh, but you did I did survive eventually. You did, you did survive and you oh, and you yeah. saw some K-pop. <laughs> That's right. I survived to see some K-pop. Okay. Uh, so what are 2 p.m. stands? Like, is, is there like arm, an army version of 2 p.m.? Or? Yes, there is. Army, army, army. So like every K-pop group has a fan name, right? Okay. Every single one has a fan name. So BTS is the army mm-hmm. and and BTS is the army because of their name. It always has to pull from the name, right? Okay. How, I know I could have looked this up, but how does BTS relate to army? <laughs> so BTS means Bangtan Sonyeongdan, which means uh, bulletproof boy scouts. I know. So, and their whole thing is that we're bulletproof. And so the army are the fan base. They mm-hmm. protect them from the bullets, right? That's the 2 p.m. Their group is called Hottest or okay. Hottest, if you're Korean and pronounce it like that. Yeah. And so, because allegedly 2 p.m. is the hottest time of the day. 
I don't know if that's true. But that is what they did allege. <laughs> they alleged that 2 p.m. was the hottest time of the day. And so their fans are called hottest. And G-Friend, their, their name is Yoja Chingu, which means girlfriend. And okay. their fans are buddy, because they're the buddy. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You shouldn't. <laughs> I just filled your brain with fucking nonsense. <laughs> it is also- it is interesting to me because I have been thinking a lot. Uh, this is like a slight tangent, but like, I think sometimes I've been like, there's been a lot of uh, drama around like particular YouTubers, not, not K-pop related YouTubers. And one thing that I find, like, I'm not like leaving their names out because I've, because I'm like afraid to say something. I'm leaving their names out because I literally have forgotten their names. Like, I don't know who they are, but people who follow them, Okay, 20 years ago, if people were famous, like everybody knew who they were. And that's like not how fame works anymore. And people are still acting like it does. But like K-pop is still very much the monoculture model, right? Like there are there are people behind the scenes creating groups, right? And there are like rules. Do they like all live? To- Am I making that up? But like- No, you're not making that up. You're not making that up at all. They do all there. It's, 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 that's also why it's a cult because even <laughs> the members, first of all, let's just get one thing straight. Every K pop star is an exploited teenager. Every single one of them is extreme. That's why I kind of left K pop is because mm-hmm. there was like, I'm about to bring you down right now. Hey, this is Ariel from the future. Sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to give a little content warning here. We are going to be talking about both suicide and eating disorders, and I've included some resources for help for both of those things in the show notes. Now back to the program. There were a spate of suicides, oh. and yeah, and um, and I had to wake up and be like, girl, because you know it's exploitative. Like, Shiny was one of my favorite groups. Mm-hmm. Still are one of my favorite groups of all all time K-pop. They're one of the best groups to ever come out of K-pop. They were just teenagers that were kidnapped by SM. <laughs> and basically, like they were starved. They were they weren't allowed to eat after like 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. They were all like really young. Like Taemin was 14 when the group debuted. Wow. And yeah, they have their whole lives completely controlled. They live together. They eat together. They're not allowed to date. They're not allowed to do a lot of things. And they work, 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 work. They rehearse. And they, they take them from the time that they're like very, very young. And that is from SM. That's based on like, because even Boa, another huge superstar that I love, she was, she debuted at 12 years old. So she had been, yeah. So she had been um, training from the time that she was like nine, 10. And Shiny, they had been training from the time they were 13. And with Taman, he'd been training since the time he was like 10. And so they were babies and they were taken from their parents and they move into a dorm. And every day they are trained and they have their diets controlled and they have to exercise and they can't speak to people and they can't date and they can't communicate. Like all their communications are controlled. It's a lot. And what you get out of that 
is impeccable fucking music and great choreography right. but also their mental health completely suffers yeah, and they yeah they do they either get really depressed and they start doing things or like like my favorite member of shiny jonghyun he he killed himself um yeah and it was it was yeah and he wasn't the only one like fx also one of the great great groups of k-pop also under sm um sully who was like the star of the group she debuted when she was 15 she also killed herself and guara from one of the best girl groups of all fucking time i will I will fucking die on this hill. Kara was one of the greatest groups of all time. They had bops, 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 bops. They went through member changes and still had bops. Anyway, Guhara also, also killed herself. And it was, and it happened like bop, 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 bop. And that, that threw me out of K-pop. That threw me out of K. I was so depressed. I'm still, it's still, you know what I mean? Like, and so like, yes, sorry. They, so they all live together. They all have everything controlled. They have their whole image controlled. They sign contracts that say if, if, if they, they don't get to choose if they want to have plastic surgery or not. Like the company decides if, if they should get plastic surgery. And I think some things have started to change after the three deaths back to back to back, mm-hmm. but not much, right. not much. It's extremely exploitative. It's extremely exploitative. But bops, they make bops, bitch. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know, I, I, it sort of sounds very similar to like, like Judy Gar, like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like yes. that movie is perfect. Yes. And they were literally like drugging a child. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like- and that the whole studio system is also how K-pop operates. The right. studio system, like, because also you just hit on something. I love classic film. That's another one of my obsessions. Okay. But like, and the studio system was extremely exploitative. They owned your contract. They right. owned you. You were only allowed to do what they told you to do. And, and I think K-pop saw that and was like... <laughs> We'll bring that right over here. That's, 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 yeah, very much. We can exploit teenagers even better than old school Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. And especially because, like, at the time, I think now it's changing because of Korea's, like, economic whatever, growth or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's somewhat changing because, like, K-pop stars a lot of them used to just be poor kids. So basically your family would be like, if right. you become a star, we get, you know what I mean? But if you don't become a star, all that room and board and all that food and all that training, you now owe the company money. <gasps> That's fucking That's Scientology. It's exactly, they saw Scientology, they are like, we can make this work. We can make this work, we can make this better. <laughs> they did. So like BTS is a huge, like whatever, like, so they, they, they got plenty of money, right? But right. most of these groups and even BTS, when they first started out, when you first debut, you don't make any money. Right. You owe the company money. So you're just kind of everything you make, you're just paying right back to the company until you pay off the fees from your training and your blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, that is very cult-like. Yep. Also like student loans. Yes. <laughs> yes. Imagine you're 13 with student loans, which hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And also, like, not that's not defending student loans here, but like college does, like, the chances of 
if you don't become a superstar, those skills are like much less transferable than like yes, for sure, for sure. Know. Although it depends. Like <laughs> you know, like I I I I studied comparative lit. So <laughs> I think singing and dancing would have been really, really good, way, way more marketable skill. <laughs> I mean I bet you <laughs> Hey, teach you to moonwalk over there. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but that's also part of it. Like, and sometimes these these people they they debut and they kind of hit it big, mm-hmm. and then they don't, and then they have to go back to the real world. And then sometimes they work in a fucking supermarket for a little bit, and that's and then people are like, hey, weren't you in? You know what I mean? That's so fucking. That's so much. It's so yeah. much. Yeah, that's wild. Although that does occasionally happen to an actor from the Cosby show. Yes. El El Elwin. Elwin. He was he he was from the Cosby show. He was working at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. Joe's. Which like Trader Joe's gives you healthcare. So (laughs) he was doing better than most Americans. So I mean, I do also think there is like this assumption that there's like a direct relationship between fame and money, right? People think like, I know who you are. You must have a lot of money. And yes. that's not, like, obviously they're related, like, but they're, it's not like a one-to-one. And that's right. It's yeah. not, they can be related, but I just don't, I like people who are like, I want to be famous. It's like, why? <laughs> like, why? That shit sounds horrible and traumatic rich rich is nice rich is good famous sounds terrible like i i don't understand yeah but Uh, if anybody is listening to this and wants to make me famous i i will do it i will sacrifice (laughs) but i would prefer to be rich if you can make me rich make me rich famous sounds famous there's a reason why famous people go crazy it's not like yeah there's a reason for it and it's because like I can't imagine every time I leave my house a bunch of people are like oh my god I'm sure there's like people who are who have who are sane and well and who can can get through but they do exist yeah I shit I don't know and k-pop fame is different because they you know like when you're famous in America like you can kind of get away with shit you kind of do stuff I mean you can get away with shit in Korea too but it depends on what you're getting away with but like like they excoriate these kids like if they're on stage and they have a little bit of a pooch on their belly like you know they gotta wear these tight ass fucking things and they gotta sing and they gotta dance and so sometimes you'll see a little bit of a skin pooch between, you know, the midriff and the thing. These fucking people will be like, this, she's not managing herself. She's fat. She's, what's she doing? Why is she not taking care of herself? And then boom, eating disorder. Sully killed herself. A lot of the things they, 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 the Korean public, they'll, they'll deny it now. But they fucking hated her. I remember the comments that they used to leave on her fucking okay. social media. They used to leave on every time she did a show. They Because she was kind of like a freer spirit, right? Like she didn't wear a bra sometimes. And you would think she killed a fucking puppy. You would think she was strangling a puppy because in one social media post, she clearly wasn't wearing a bra. 
Like they were like, you fucking dumb slut. Why don't you fucking kill yourself? And then she did. And so, and they were like, oops, oopsie. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't handle that. The judgment that they get. I would rather be famous in America than famous in Korea. That shit is different. It's different. I think I have a... (laughs) But I have some very good friends who are Korean and like I think their like relationship to like body stuff is very like are they girls yeah like I mean like and it's not always true but like for example like then this is still like the beauty standard in America or whatever but like like if you talk okay I'm just like this might not make the podcast but I'll say it but like you know like if an American like has an eating disorder they have some sort of understanding that like that is a bad thing to have yes but if you talk to like a Korean who exhibits the same behavior they're just like thinness is good this makes me thinner why would yes Yes. And that's not, that is not, that is completely correlated to the media, how the media, because a lot of, especially the girl groups, they're like, we eat one ball of rice every day. And then at night we have one carrot and and everyone's like, oh, oh, she's really managing herself. Good for her. And it's like, no, she's unwell. Like, and you can tell some of these girls have huge eating disorders and then they just praise them they're like oh look at her little aunt waist look at how much weight she's lost and it's like yeah she's lost an unhealthy amount of weight in an unhealthy amount of time their relationship to beauty standards is like totally different it's it's because of capitalism like they were kind of thrust into capitalism at hyperspeed and so all of the problems that we have they have them faster (laughs) and more efficiently (laughs) you know what I mean it's like the trains they 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 said oh that's how y'all run the trains we're gonna run them even better and they do those trains come on time and they're clean and they're great and that's great for trains not Mm -hmm. so good for humans (laughs) not so good for people you know yeah and their beauty standards are totally very rigid, very different, very rigid. Like for facial beauty standards, like like when I was like I, like me and my friends would be out. At, this is in Korea or America, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, that girl's so beautiful. She's so pretty." And they'd be like, "No, she's not." I'd be like, "What? What are you talking about? She's gorgeous." And they're like, "No, her face is too wide, and her chin needs to be." exact like it needs to be like an egg shape and her her nose has to be straight and like her eyes have to be a certain kind of double eyelid and if it's single eyelid it has to be a certain kind of way and Mm. because they have like they've created like a mathematical formula for beauty in korea and now i think as time goes on they're really getting away from that and they're trying really hard to like they've they've realized how unhealthy that has been but it's slow going yeah it's still it's it's hard i mean this is another example of this i have a lot of korean friends who will like they will like make fun of americans for thinking that lucy Liu is beautiful yes 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 they don't think lucy Liu is beautiful yeah right and it's like i don't know like she's a beautiful woman i know (laughs) same with like sandra oh like sandra oh is a beauty like icon in america and in korea they're like what like her face is too big (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of times when, like, because a lot of times, like, movie stars in America will have, like, a striking face, and I feel like a lot of Asian people will be like, but she looks weird, and it's like, right, it's beautiful. That's, that's the thing, like, we want a face that looks unique and still hot, like, we still have our, our rigid beauty standards, you can't just pull up in here looking your own kind of beauty, you have to look our kind of beautiful, but our kind of beautiful is a bit more varied than theirs is because right because that's how they that's how they make their money i'm sorry if yeah. they don't impose those beauty standards on korean women korean women will walk around looking thinking they're beautiful <laughs> and then what if they don't buy all the korean beauty products or pay for plastic surgery then that, that'll be a disaster for their economy so yeah. they have yeah. to impose these extremely rigid beauty standards on them otherwise you know yeah and I just I want to be very clear I do not think Americans have a healthy relationship with like their body or beauty I'm not saying that it's just it's less mathematical there you go it's less mathematical but we still we will still delineate and we will still tear you down if you if you go away from our very rigid beauty standards it's just Mm. you know and we will make money we have our limits (laughs) (laughs) we're like okay but sandra oh is hot like let's not be ridiculous (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah We've talked a lot about the culture and stuff, like less about the music, which is maybe, it's been great. I think this has been super interesting. But what do you think it is about the music that drew you? It's just so good? or It's so good. It's, it's you know what it is? They took, because like in America, like we are not, and I don't, I don't care who comes after me. We're, we don't make R&B anymore. We mm-hmm. don't make R&B anymore. We don't. Our R&B singers are fucking Chris Brown and Trey Songz, rapists. So, <laughs> so like, they write songs about, like, back in my mom's day and the, the music that I grew up listening to, it was about love. It was about, you know what I mean? And it was, like, smooth sounds that were, like, taken from gospel and taken from, you know what I mean? And we had, like, this specific R&B sound mm-hmm. and it was huge it was big boys to men all that shit and Koreans grew up on that and they took those influences they basically mm-hmm. took exactly what it was created a formula for it and said and we're gonna have cute boys dancing it to it cute girls dancing to it and then and Americans just stopped doing that we stopped yeah. doing that we don't have choreography anymore we don't have like love songs and R&B all our R&B songs are like you dumb bitch take your panties take them off let me fuck you and then don't call me later and it's like what 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 happened everybody's talking about silk sonic because silk sonic oh my god they bringing it back this bitch got me paying rent like what this is this is this is r&b like what korea actually does r&b korea actually does like they they straight up just take sample the whole beat and the sound from from old r&b songs and sing over it and give it soul and give it it's cultural appropriation right but thanks i appreciate it i really appreciate appropriate our shit because we ain't doing it right and like i'm like in the, in the groups like yoja chingu and the groups like girls generation even like txt has a little bit of it it's like this fun happy poppy with r&b elements sound 
right? It's this cute, happy, and it's, you cannot, you cannot be depressed while you're looking at this. Like it literally cures depression. Like it's just fun, happy pop and like, and you sing it and you dance to it. And you, it, like, I don't give it, the whole world is crumbling, but I'm like, uh, like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. And it's pure joy. And that, we don't have that. We've never had that in America. We don't have it and we never had it and we never will. And that is also what I'm really, really into. I really like it. The music is just great. The sounds are great. The choreo is great. The styling is meh. The <laughs> sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's a mess. And like, <laughs> and, and as much as these like members are being exploited, most of the time you just I I sobbed when G Friend broke up. Like I fucking you could not. I and nobody understands that kind of connection you have. Right. to a k-pop group you get to know these members you get to know their life story and like you form an emotional connection with them american celebrities i don't have no emotional connection to these motherfuckers like i don't give a shit what happens to them anymore it's just it's just a totally different thing that we're not doing over here we're just not doing it yeah and i think part of that is capitalism i think like the type of music that they make in k-pop it's it costs more money to make that like in, I, I, not I, if you're I, not paying your artists it doesn't cost that much fucking money not if you're in k yeah, one of the things i people are really like skimping on like making i feel like music is like much smaller in america than it used to be if that makes sense like yeah there there's like fewer and fewer like instrumentations and like, nobody wants to hire like actual session musicians anymore and they are they are doing that in k-pop right the sound the sound is big it's huge yes, yes. Right? like g-friend all their concerts have a full band behind them they mm -hmm. are singing with a live band at all their concerts it's incredible you're not gonna find that shit you're yeah. not gonna find that shit in America unless it's like a Beyonce concert. Right. Like, really. Yeah, we don't wanna put the production value in. We don't wanna train people. We don't wanna hire a choreographer. We're just not willing to put that money in, even though they could make, because you can make money just, you could just put some ashy motherfucker on stage and they sing about nothing and they'll make a whole bunch of money. So why bother? Why right. bother putting effort yeah. in? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's what like K-pop does have this really like international. Like it's not just like they're the they have huge cultural cachet like everywhere in a way that everywhere, everywhere. When I was in Vietnam, my K-pop background finally came in handy because my kids loved K-pop, and the thing that got them interested in the lessons, like I would plan my lessons around K-pop. I would, I would hand out, I would buy a bunch of K-pop stickers and be like, hey, you little bastards, listen to me. Or, and if you, if you listen and get, and do good, I'll give you a bunch of fucking stickers with, with these K-pop stars on them. And they were like, oh, okay. Finally, an incentive, you know what I mean? It really right, yeah, has yeah. a massive reach. So I think, I don't know what my original point was, but it's, it's very exciting to see. Oh, so also, I'm just going to say this. Also, so much of media, Western media in particular, is overwhelmingly white. Like, it is entirely. I watch, 
I watched so many shows with an all white cast. I really think I woke up in segregation again. Like there's so much whiteness. You know what I mean? The only people making R&B and hip hop are white. Like, let's just be real. Like they, those are the big stars of, of R&B and hip hop. They're white people. And sometimes you get sick of looking at white people. No shade. I love looking at your face, but sometimes- I was get, always, yeah, I got it, me too. <laughs> you get sick of staring at fucking white people all day. So like, I think a lot of, especially there's so many black K-pop fans and Hispanic K-pop fans. Mm-hmm. Like they're just looking for not, they just want to rest their eyes for a minute. <laughs> It's the only media that is not all white. If they, I, I'm just gonna say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's just I, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Of course, they would have like huge appeal in Asia because it's like finally people who look sort of like us. Although I do think a lot of Korean beauty standards are like based around whiteness. But uh, well, a lot of Korean, some Korean beauty standards are based around whiteness for sure, because like the blonde hair and everything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Korean beauty standards, and Koreans are not gonna like to hear this, are based on Chinese beauty standards. They're based because Chinese media was like the first media to kind of like get it big over there. So a lot of their beauty standards are based on, like Kim Tae-hee is, is famous for being so beautiful because she looks like a traditional, like 90s Chinese actress. That's kind of how they base their beauty standards off of. Because the traditional Korean face is pretty different from the Chinese media face. And right. yet Korean beauty standards are more aligned with Chinese, old Chinese, yeah, still Chinese beauty standards it's very it's very interesting that way because they fucking hate the chinese <laughs> and hate them they're like because they have good reason to hate them they have yeah, good reason to hate them. they have good reason there's there is definitely there's a lot of there's a history of animosity <laughs> yeah yeah i would say i was imperialism animosity whatever whatever you want to say <laughs> <laughs> oppression <laughs> some annoyances you know it's a little bit about it's a little bit about a little bit of a rivalry uh <laughs> it's a bit of a rivalry <laughs> yes for sure but you just like just like black people also base a lot of our beauty standards off of white people who oppressed us right of course that's just how it works that's how beauty standards work you know yeah that is like that happens all it's the time. Yep. You're going to base your beauty standards off of, off of the ruling class. Right. Um, even if you fucking hate them, motherfuckers. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Imperialism is bad, but you know, thin women are great. There you go. <laughs> thin and pale. That's yeah. never bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be a, a, a really weird question. I know one K pop song really well, and I don't know. I have no context for like how popular this group was. Tell me. Okay. So like, cause I, I, I worked in India for a while and there were these people from the Philippines who did a dance. They were trying to teach sex education and they were using the song by the Wonder Girls, Nobody But You to like offer like monogamy. Yes. Okay. That's a terrible. What? About monogamy that was supposed to be? Oh, Jesus. Okay, sure. Sure. 
Sure. That's like one of the options to like prevent STIs. It was very weird that we were doing it. Okay. Okay. But that song is a bop. I will say. That song is absolutely. Also, I saw the Wonder Girls live. They are amazing. Live. Okay. Oh my God. What a classic group. So they, are, I, I was just wondering if they were like a big deal or if I just, if they just randomly. If the Wonder Girls were a big deal. Yes, bitch. The Wonder Girls were a huge deal. The okay. Wonder Girls were the first like girl group before Sonia Shide really hit it really big. Like Wonder Girls were the fucking group. They had, nobody was like a big, nobody was a crossover hit. Nobody was like, they made an English version. They made it, in- <laughs> it wasn't good, but they made it. They did make it. And like that dance was huge. And they have, you know, Wonder Girls was a hit and nobody is a bop. They have better songs, but nobody okay. is a bop. Yeah. I want nobody, nobody but you. I want nobody, nobody but you. They were using this to teach sex education. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go off. Yes, they were. <laughs> when was this? It was like 2008, 2009? 2010. Yeah. 2010. All right. So yeah. they, like two years after the song came out, they were using yeah. it. To- <laughs> I mean, I don't know for listeners, because I, I grew up in Europe, but when I was living in India, that was the first time where pop culture wasn't like American, because Europe, like all of the, like, I mean, they have like, they have Dutch television shows, I'm, I want to say that, but like the primary <laughs> culture was like, it was still like friends, like music you listen to on the radio, like they'd like throw in a Dutch song every once in a while, but it was all like American. And then you get to India and it's just like all... Bollywood, Albangra. And then every once in a while, I don't know why he was like the one American to crack through, but Akon would occasionally like. <laughs> that is not what I thought you were going to say. Okay. Work, Akon. The radio edits, the radio edits. What are we clearly? wow okay yeah i don't know what and then like k-pop and how do you feel about i'm now realizing i might be getting the details wrong but people claim that ariana grande steals from like i think it's more j-pop than k-pop or is it also she steals from k-pop she totally steals from k-pop yeah but work i don't i don't have a problem with that right k-pop steals from r&b and ariana grande stole being latina So why can't you steal from K-pop? I don't think I think more fucking artists need to steal from K-pop. I think more right. artists and Ariana Grande steals a little from K-pop, but like she not she not giving you choreography. She not giving you choreography like that. It's stealing a little bit, which I appreciate. I think everybody should steal from K-pop. Everybody right. should steal from K-pop. I wish more artists would steal from K-pop because I might actually enjoy the music that comes out. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Okay, this is this is a call out. Steal more from K-pop. Yes, steal it. <laughs> I mean, that is the thing about like, I feel like we use the word cultural appropriation for like three different things. Cultural appropriation isn't always bad. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's funny to see a white girl in cornrows. Like their their scalp gets all sunburned. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it brightens my day. Sometimes cultural appropriation is good. <laughs> be pulling that shit is hilarious that is hilarious it kind of lifts me out of my oppression just a little bit (laughs) 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 it's not always bad i just remember when the when the kardashians kept being like it's like boderic 
that was that is the bad part about cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't credit it to the right people with right. like the boxer braids thing, the right. boxer braids, like what? And the and yeah, and Bo Derek, like, yeah, that's where we got it from. That's where we got braids from. Bo Derek. Okay, <laughs> sis, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, as long as you credit it, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I feel like K-pop for sure credits their R&B influences. In fact, a lot of the old school R&B producers that like can't get a fucking job over here, they go to Korea and they make great music. Like Teddy Riley's over there making like Black Swan shit. Like a bunch of like old school, Omarion and Mario, all of them, they go over there, they get treated like gods over there because that is where they got their influences from. They respect the, the culture. They don't really like black people, but they to the culture they respect our contributions to the culture they will talk dog shit about you in korean right next to you like you don't understand but they do respect the culture (laughs) i'm gonna get some hang cops over this one i don't care (laughs) it seems like k-pop is less important than it was to you (laughs) thank god yes i had to at some point i had to unwrap because it was getting to the point where like i was spending my entire paycheck my grown ass paycheck on k-pop shit like me and my my homegirl cat me and my homegirl cat we 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 were going to la to go see 2 p.m we missed our flight because i was stuck in security because my name is sharia And, and we spent $300 on a taxi to Logan Airport in Boston from New York to go take a plane to go to LA to spend all our money on fucking K-pop bullshit. And it was great. It was one of the greatest memories of my life. But it was like, Sharia, you got to be grown. Like, you got to be a little bit grown. I did slip back into it during the pandemic because K-pop heals you when you're going through some shit. When shit is hard, K-pop is like the one thing for me that gets me energized. So I've learned to utilize it for adulthood i like that i do feel like it is sort of like if you were gonna create like music that makes people happy in like a a lab that is basically what they have done yes that is what they've done and music and visuals and everything to make people energized and happy and da 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 and then their ballads you can cry to them shit see they have perfected it they perfected it I'm sorry. They perfected it. All right. Bow down. (laughs) Bow down to your K-pop overlords. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I think we'll we'll end it there. Where can people find you, Sharia? Oh, find me on Twitter at Sharia Did That. Find me on uh, Instagram at Sharia Mattis Comedy. I will be updating that soon. Find me on YouTube also, Sharia Mattis Comedy. I have this little series called Black Girl Feelings that comes out every once in a while and you know i'll be doing stuff stuff is coming up on the horizon so look out for it big stuff coming things coming yeah Uh, yeah you can obviously tell that she is very funny and you should watch her live if you ever get the chance yes Uh, yes thank you so much this has been great like thank you ariel thank you this has been great i love talking about k-pop thank you (laughs) great and if you like the podcast please subscribe or follow it on your favorite podcasting app. Different apps different terminology now. That's fun. Uh, anyway, you could also rate and review it five stars. That would be great.
Okay, thanks. Bye.